Hey everyone, this is your host Javier and Daniel, and you're listening to the Brown Sound Podcast. We're just two brown best amigos talking about everything and anything through a Latino and indigenous perspective. In this podcast, expect some tears, joy, and definitely laughter. Imagine sitting around a table with your best friends but sober, or you can have a drink too because we don't judge. Well... All right, everybody, we're welcome back. It's uh Brown Sound episode. What are we on? Eleven. We're on, we're on episode eleven. Yes, eleven. Look oh. at us. <laughs> <laughs> lucky number eleven. No, I'm just kidding. I don't even know if eleven's a lucky number. Say, but... <laughs> my, my lucky number's four. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, hey, what's going on? It's been it's been a minute. It feels like I haven't uh, seen your brown face in a long time. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to see your brown smile. <laughs> oh, 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 brown oh. smile. <laughs> no, oh. um, it's yeah, no, because we recorded a little earlier last week, so now we're at the point where we're like, what the heck? Like, <laughs> are we still doing the show? What's, yeah. <laughs> what's going on? We only talk now when we do the podcast. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't even catch up. <laughs> all right well let's uh let's just jump into it who who are you gonna give your person shout out to this week yeah so my brown sound person spotlight is gonna go to one of our good friends um charito morales who is a listener all the way out there in portland oregon mm-hmm. and uh charito's been a good college friend um you know just one of those people like when we talked about friendships vibes are always great very supportive um and in fact since we started the show she's been like messaging you know even the both of us about like some of the funny <laughs> or like memories you know things like that Mm -hmm. and it just um is always really good to you know connect hear from her and also to feel that love and support all the way from portland so i just want to say charito thank you so much for your friendship thank you for being such a huge supporter of our podcast and for being you because you know there's only one of you and you have a cool name charito (laughs) so shout out shout out to you and uh thank you so much yeah shout out to shout out to you all in portland portland is one of our top cities of like downloads too it so is it is it's shout probably... out to shout out to good old pdx <laughs> <laughs> uh, my person shout out this week is going to be a little bit different it actually goes to a um a non-profit so my shout out goes out to matriarch movement they are a non-profit and podcast that is focused on shifting the mainstream narrative around indigenous women um they focus on amplifying the voices of indigenous women through their podcasts social media interviews um so shout out to matriarch movement they also gave us a shout out on their instagram um their instagram post last week so uh appreciate the the support and and then i think that's that's a pretty important work that they're doing so shout out to the matriarch movement yeah i love that thanks so much keep up the great work all right well you guys today we have a special guest with us here in the browntown studio no Um, I actually just gave, you know, this person a shout out in a recent episode. She's a fellow Nimipu tribal member representing Ooh. our hometown. Lapwa, Lapwe. No. <laughs> uh, she is a mom, a wife, um, a relative, and a current, you know, currently right now she is in college. So like I said in the recent episode, she has a huge heart for our community and the youth. And she's definitely a role model for the youth to look up to. So let me welcome Tori Mitchell. Woo! Hello. Or Tori Conan, Tori Conan. (laughs) 
Get it right. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's up, Tori? What's going oh, on? Thanks for having me. I'm just, I'm in my last semester of my bachelor degree, so I'm oh. just heavy on the studying right now, balancing family and just my social life non-existent but <laughs> when i can see people it's nice and i'm just thankful to be on this podcast with you too yes yeah. well, welcome welcome um maybe you want to do a little brief i guess that's like brief description right or was that good you think or yeah i'm pretty simple you know <laughs> i was reflecting you know like when we talk about like our life it's like you know almost like man what have i done with my life you know am i on the right path but i think it's just you know yeah i'm a mom or a wife and i'm just heavy on the family you know making mm -hmm. sure that yeah. my uncles my aunts my grandparents you know cousins like just maintaining that relationship and yeah. definitely my education right now has been like the forefront um, studying social science with the anthropology emphasis and just hope to bring that back to our tribe you know cultural mm -hmm. preservation our language our history the land yeah. everything is all important to me and yeah <laughs> Awesome, awesome. That's really cool. <laughs> Very, <laughs> I'm like impressed by you because you're juggling that many things and doing school full time and your last semester <laughs> and you're so connected to your family. I'm like, dang, I need to, we need to step it up, Chica, because we got to do something with the... <laughs> You know, that is that is very like normal for like indigenous women, though, like they balance everything out. They do it all. Like, I feel like that's just something that um, especially Nimipu women are so used to doing, you know, used to juggling everything while still being like, you know, the backbone of their family and things like that. So yeah. shout out to you, Tori. Yes. Doing good things out there. <laughs> so I guess, you know, today we did want to talk, you know, we've had some awesome guests in our last episode, but this Tori is our first first uh our first native guest so yeah. we want to definitely get uh, get our get our you know native perspective <laughs> and view on things and uh one thing we did want to talk about today was just you know like history you know like uh life on the res or you know things that a lot of people probably don't really know about and um yeah so let's uh dive into this yeah i am actually excited about having you on today tori because um daniel and i've been having a lot of conversations especially about like just our communities and you know how we we grow up um but there's some there's a lot of things that people don't realize about our communities um and be and it's one of those things that you really can't even think about what questions you want to ask because if you're not living in the community if you're not a part of the communities you wouldn't even know to take your mind there for you know answering things like that and I guess that's part of the thing that where where we want to begin um mm -hmm. you know from your perspective and growing up what what are some of the, your experiences um that you feel like people wouldn't necessarily know about indigenous communities or you know someone who is who was raised there I think our family dynamics is like one of the big things you know just historically you know we've always lived you know in the big family unit you know it wasn't always like how society views today like that traditional mom or wife husband have kids move away you know we're very interconnected and even just like the how we speak and interact with one another like mm -hmm. 
just you know getting experience outside of our community it was definitely like a culture shock and I don't know it was just kind of funny at times like how come you don't speak to so-and-so or you know why aren't you connected with you like your grandparents you know I feel like our elders are held at like a high you know hierarchy like their standard is how we want to be you know in our as we're growing up yeah. and then even just like the youth you know Daniel's mentioning earlier like we also hold them at a high standard because mm -hmm. they're going to be coming in after us and you know just the intergenerational connection is what I've seen across you know culturally but also like just I feel I don't know if I'm being too biased like our <laughs> Nimipu area like we're just you know just it's, I don't know it just it's like a real tight-knit community yeah super tight-knit super close community um even too I mentioned in the in the, in the recent episode how we worked with each other at the boys and girls club on on the res and that job definitely was something that was super tough like because you're not just <laughs> dealing with like you know res kids who are just you know little spitfires you know res kids say whatever do whatever <laughs> but you're also dealing with kids who come from you know broken homes you know um yeah. different different backgrounds so you deal with a lot of different uh stories working at the boys and girls club like i remember kids would tell me some of their like whatever was happening like oh yeah my mom kicked my dad out last night i'm like oh like you know <laughs> like well why no <laughs> but like but like things like that you know and I, I always think like the boys and girls club at one point for me, I think it's really helped, like, kind of shape who I am, like, today. And it's one of those jobs where, yeah, it was <laughs> crazy, but it was one of those ones that I think that is definitely um, even made me feel, like, somewhat closer to the community. Because even still today, I still run into, like, all the club kids that we used to, you know, like, watch. And then they're all, like, 18 now or, like, in high school or a little bit older. So it's, like, crazy. They're like, hey, remember me? I'm like, yeah, like, I wouldn't <laughs> forget you guys. I don't know. It's one of those weird, like, experiences, but fun, definitely fun, though, too. Yeah. yeah, it shows the impact we had on the kids, like a relationship with them, you know, just how open they can be about issues because us in that staff position, we can relate, you know. Right. I feel like all our experiences kind of intertwine and are similar, you know. There's a lot of historical trauma that goes oh, on yeah. in indigenous communities and I think that's one of the things, you know, anyone can relate to, but like specifically mm -hmm. for indigenous people, it was like a purpose to put that trauma right. and that you know eliminating who we are our identity so it's just definitely a lot to grasp and process but yeah. I think that's that connection that healing part comes in and it just makes it easier not yeah. all the way better but just easier to cope with yeah, Tori, um, let me ask this because we've had, Daniel and I have had conversations before um, where I'm removed from like my grandparents because I've had, you know, some of my family, I had two of my grandparents that stayed and lived in Mexico um, all their lives and I still have a grandma there. My grandpa has since passed away. But, um, and I have a grandma here who I don't get to see very often. Part of that was I moved away to college um, and then, you know, I was away for a long time and I finally moved back so I'm getting to connect more with her. But one of the things I would always love to do when I'd get to visit my family in Mexico is ask about like their past and like growing up and so their times were a little bit different um, and obviously um, a whole different country so 
the experience a little bit different also. Um, but I always love to ask questions about how, you know, how did you used to live your lives before? What are things that you did? How did you meet each other? How did you, you know, come about forming a relationship, marrying? Um, and my grandparents have shared stories like, you know, we started off really poor. Our families didn't approve of our marriage. Um, you know, we used to live in like a shack that my grandpa built until they had their little come up later on. Um, have you had any connections like that with some of your elders? What are some things that um, you have been able to kind of just discover um, being so close to to family and relatives about past experiences in their lives versus like how we live now? Yeah, I think, you know, at a young age, it was very surface level stuff. Like my po, who's my great, great grandmother, she's born in 1930s. So her husband went through the wars and she had many kids so just her I think that's where like I get my strength from just hearing her endurance and you know how she had to pretty much survive that especially you know as we were getting recognized as citizens and you know just hearing like I think a lot of it is just like it comes up naturally like oh I you know like they'll remember something and they'll tell me and then I just keep that you know close to me because you know as you mentioned like people passing I feel like it just gets more valued you know um my grandpa Lem he was one of those who just had a plethora of knowledge and history to share and I feel like I took it for granted in a lot of those moments because I'm like you know I have a long line, you know, they're going to be here forever. But I think that's also like the just dealing with like teenagehood, you know, and finding out who you are, like, you know, you don't really know at the time. But, you know, definitely their experience has, you know, brought in a different light to my eyes, you know, because I don't know if I could handle what they went through. Like, we're going through a pandemic right now, but I feel like, yeah. you know, they've experienced war and just poverty yeah. and so many different changes. And, like, I feel like I have it good. You know, we still have issues today with, like, substance abuse and, you know, epidemics of drugs and stuff that we can continue to work on, but, like, it's just hard to navigate sometimes. <laughs> Yeah. Right. And I always think it's crazy to think about because, like, like you mentioned your grandpa even, or even, like, your grandma, you know, um, they went through the time of, like, where, like, our language was being stripped from them. You know, like, I know my grandpa Wally, I mean, he was fluent in S-Purse, but his parents, like, they, you know, only spoke it, like, at home or wherever they were comfortable, like, around other, like, probably other S-Purse people. But I always think about how crazy that is. Like, I couldn't imagine um, my niece or my nephew going through something, like, getting in trouble for speaking English because that's all they know because obviously with genocide and all that stuff like language was stripped from our our grandparents and I always think that's crazy because that was all still in like our lifetime you know you think like oh that happened like oh it happened so long ago like no that was probably you know 50 60 years ago like our grandparents still suffer from a lot of that trauma like even you know like my grandparent my grandma and her siblings like they grew up you know having two parents who were fluent but then they didn't teach them because they were scared of how um they would be treated by you know the Soyapo people or the or the church people or whatever and it's crazy because that's like my grandma she's not very old and that's crazy that that was like during they had to live through that so um i'm someone who is not very familiar with language stripping and that history um can someone provide some context for the listeners that are maybe like me and, and what that was about yeah i think it has to do a lot with just you know the government and 
eradicating our race and our culture and you know they've done that many times over history you know starting with you know moving us to reservations and then giving us land allotments with the Dawes Act and you know just trying to separate us from each other and then also putting us into a designated land area Mm -hmm. and then that's where a lot of the religion came in because of residential schools and you know just trying to make the children like American citizens when you know that was not who they are but just trying to adjust to like you know colonial people coming in you know residential schools were probably the major pivotal point of just Mm -hmm. not knowing who we are because we had to learn English you know learn about God and you know it's just a very negative experience so as Daniel mentioned they didn't want to pass that on to the children you know or get them you know in trouble so it's just you know we had to cut our hair couldn't you know we had to move far away you know people were forced the children were forced to go like miles across the nation just to go to a school and you know pretty much like desensitize who they are which is pretty hard to, you know, think that was not too long ago. And I think that's another part of, like, natives. People think we don't exist, you know, because what they learn in school, it's a very minute part of history, U.S. history, but it's a major part because we've proven that we're still here, you know, and... I think it just, it perpetuates like our motivation to learn about who we are too. You know, we recognize that history, but we want to move forward to where we can revitalize the language and our history, the cultural aspect, like ceremonies and just, you know, making sure like we know who we are, where we come from. And I think it's crazy too, like you said, we, you know, at one point we weren't even considered citizens here. And, you know, like this is like, we're, we're people, you know, from the land and like the original caretakers and like our, you know, our... our our grandparents, our our elders, you know, they couldn't even vote, like, until, like, was it, like, 1964 or so? Like, it wasn't that long ago, yeah. like, when they could vote in, wow. like, presidential elections. And I don't think they were citizens even, yeah, I don't know the exact dates, but I know I it wasn't it was that long ago. And then even, like, um, even just, like, the right to practice, like, our own spiritual beliefs, our own culture, that was, like, illegal in the United States, which is crazy, because oh it's, like, so I don't think people realize, like, a lot of that kind of stuff. Like, I don't know, it's something I think it's 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 great that we could have this platform to obviously like educate listeners and stuff and and maybe they can get like a little brief understanding of like why we're so radical. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, you know, natives love a good protest. <laughs> yeah, I. You know what? This is this is all new to me. I, I you know, um, Tori. One of the things I was shared with Daniel in one of the earlier episodes was that I, you know, obviously didn't attend. I attended high school, and you know, my education was all through Caldwell, so Idaho education, um, outside of the reservation. And um, yeah, I, I don't even remember that native or indigenous um, history was taught really that much at all. We had like a brief segment in like fourth grade, and um, Daniel and I laugh about it now because um, I was made to play Chief Joseph. <laughs> and one of the play. <laughs> oh, don't hate me. I was in fourth grade. I didn't know any better. Um, and the lady, uh, the, my teacher, all gave me moccasins she had bought somewhere and put them on me. And Daniel was like, she probably chose you because you were the only brown kid in class. Right. <laughs> 
She's like, yeah, you, uh, you can pass. Yeah, <laughs> Javi, you're Chief Joseph now. Yeah, <laughs> and so, um, and so, like, this is so amazing for you to be able to kind of just share. And it really wasn't until I got to college where you know I started to get a little bit more um, information. I learned about you know choosing someone like Christopher Columbus is so problematic. Um, mm -hmm. But here's the thing, though: people just learned that he sailed the ocean blue and <laughs> discovered you know America and Kumbaya. We're all happy now and we're in this place yeah. um and then some of the other information i learned were that the history with like indigenous communities is basically just around thanksgiving right. that pilgrims needed food and you know um indigenous people were willing to provide it and also share about how to you know plant and harvest crops and things like that so it was more like a oh they were wanting to be nice so they you yeah. know, gave us the things we needed and that's the history you learn and that's so like concerning and, and right. upsetting because then you meet people of the community and, and they're like listen here's the real deal yeah. and you're like oh my gosh you know that's oh my gosh we're yeah. not just all we're standing around singing this land is your land <laughs> this land is my land that did no. not happen <laughs> you're like is it yeah. Uh, hold up, hold up on that. This is our land. Hold up, just yeah. kidding. Um, uh, who started that first? Yeah. <laughs> That's all funny. I always think about that too. Like even in fourth grade, we had to go through Idaho history, and I even remember where they had that one section about our own tribe, and it wasn't a lot. You know, it was just like we had to do the little the dioramas. Remember, we had to like make the little Indians on the canoes or whatever. You and it did. was like, yeah. <laughs> um, and this is like growing up on the in a red school we still had to like what is this you know <laughs> and i and i think it's important to even recognize like like native history is american history you know yep. like yep. like even nesper's history that's idaho history like it i mean like literally like they say this country was built off of like genocide and like you know off of the backs of slaves so like this this you know i don't think this country um i don't know why they're so weird about acknowledging that but... yeah, yeah wow. i think from like that historical government side you know I've learned that people who win like the war get to tell the story. So, you know, we hear like, you know, all those many wars as they manifest destiny made their way over to the West. It was the white people, you know, who pretty much dominated in a sense, but they just had, you know, more of that power and then it gets translated into education. So who's, you know, running the state education right now? Mostly predominantly white men, you know? Mm -hmm. And so they get to decide what we get to learn and how we get to learn it. And I think even like on the reservation, it's weird because you're all into US history, Idaho history, and you always hear about Lewis and Clark and you know, there's more to that than, you know, in this area than Lewis and Clark. Yeah. Right. And I think, too, another thing that, like, you know, people don't realize is, like, our, you know, our our native people throughout the U.S. is, you know, we have to prove that we're native. You know, there's, like, blood quantum, which is a thing that's, like, blood quantum wasn't a native, like, you know, value or nothing. But they the U.S. put that on tribes to basically kind of, like, wipe us out. So, like, so, like, what blood quantum is, um, how do you? explain that it's like so it's like from the government again yeah <laughs> like well, how do you explain that in like the 
<laughs> to prove that we're native by our blood, by our ancestry, and we're the only group who has to do that, you know, in the, I feel like, is that like a global thing? Like, where we only have to prove who we are, you know? <laughs> we have to have this card and so much amount of Nimu poo, but you, mm -hmm. you know, we're not just one tribe. There are people who are more than one tribes and they recognize mm -hmm. that, you know, so yeah. ju just for us to think of us as like one thing, that's not who we are. And it's, right. it's just a difficult process because, you know, I mentioned I'm a wife and a mom. My husband, he's not Nimi Poo, he's white, but he grew up on the res, you know, mm -hmm. and he knows pretty much our culture and how we act. Like people even joke, like he can be enrolled, you know, <laughs> like I felt like that's how I connected with him just because I didn't have to explain myself so much. Right. You know? yeah. It was already there, but, you know, in the tribe, I have to enroll my kids now and prove that they are native or Nimi poo. And that's just like a difficult process because, you know, back then, at one point, I probably would have thought like, oh, I'm going to have like Nesper's babies, you know, I'm going to look for that. But as you get older, that's just really shallow and surface level thinking, right. you know. When you think of a partner, you know, it's beyond that. So just to even think that our own tribe still follows that system. Them, it's baffling because that's what the government wants us to be erased eventually right yeah. you know kind of to explain to listeners like if there's no enrolled members then the, there's no treaties that the government has to uphold so like the tribes and then too blood quantum is also something that divides our people so like it's one of those things where it's like uh, like you know like i mean even just growing up with kind of like hearing like the old i, I was the same way like i'm gonna have nespers kids but no matter what if i have kids with the non-nespers or whatever they're still gonna be nespers because i'm nespers i'm gonna teach them our culture our language things like that so i i it's it's crazy like the generation now i think is finally like understanding that and in making the change where growing up you know you're kind of told you only be with this you you know and it's something that's definitely takes time to like get out of that mindset but i think you know it takes conversations like this it takes people like us to like no matter what if you're however percentage or whatever like you're still this person being this person isn't based off of like a blood percentage based off of you know your community your your values your you know your connection to our land like there's a lot of things and it's, it's crazy that we are the only group of people that have to prove that to yeah and like i think dogs and horses have to prove like you know percentages of how like purebred they are and then there's like us native people so it's like are we are we on the level of dogs and horses you know like it's one of those things like i don't know it's definitely like a touchy subject too like some of their some elders i do know still say and think certain things and it's like I always try my best to just try to explain things like well you know no matter what like I'm still Nesper so if my kids have you know a mom that's not they're still gonna be Nespers so so I I have questions um for people that don't know much about blood quantum does um does every indigenous like nation have their own like percentages they follow or is that established by the government and then how do you how would you change that if you could change that how do you go about moving that well when Tori and I are on council hey. <laughs> <laughs> no our, our tribes have the 
control to change that. Like, they can either bump us all up if they wanted to, like, say, because it's so weird because I, I mean, even just this this mindset we're taught as kids is like, you're, you're less than or more than. But when I got my certificate of Indian blood a few weeks ago, I was like only considered like 70%. And I'm like, like, what's the other 30? <laughs> you know, like, I didn't know. And, and even that thought too, I was like, well, it, it really messed with me for a second because I'm like, 70%? But then I'm like, wait, like, no, that's not, that doesn't mean nothing. Like, you know, but that's uh, from the government. And our, I know our tribes can do, they can make changes, you know, they can, because we're our own government, you know, we're our own, like, sovereign nation, we can, but it just, I don't know, I don't, sometimes... When it comes to leadership, you know, that's a whole nother episode. Just kidding. <laughs> Definitely. And I think it just stems from that federal and tribal relationship you know there was a time where it's called the self-determination era where the government was like okay we're kind of tired of taking care of you natives we're gonna give you the template to take care of yourself so they used that like okay you're gonna have a blood quantum because you're gonna have to have your own society you know your jobs or just the resources that you have so i think that was like the benefit or the gimmick that natives were like okay so I need to prove who I am so I can get these resources you know people want food water shelter a job so that's where it stems from but like as Daniel said we're sovereign nation we can determine our parameters ourselves. and it's just taken a long time to actually even realize that which is you know it can go different ways like Daniel's saying like another conversation but why can't we do that like internally and then for other tribes it's not the same because we're all not one you know we're indigenous we're native but we have our own characteristics and so I think that's where people also kind of get mixed up trying to lump us into one group like we're all the same and that's what the government did too so there's other people who don't even have like their rights but they're still practicing who they are because also back then there was like the termination act where you would terminate your status as native so you can go live off in the city and conform to white society so there's just a lot of like interlinking of just the motives of the government you know and just it's all complicated (laughs) it's like yeah it's it's a lot and it's one of those things where it's like you, we make a little progress and then boom something happens they're like oh great here we are you know but yeah I think you know and I and I think that's important to say too is like yeah there's so many different tribes throughout the US and Canada and even like you know South America Central America like there's so many different indigenous people and like we are not a monolith of people like we're, we all have our different cultures languages I mean food everything is so yeah. like, we're not the same and I don't think people really even understand that and and i mean obviously that comes down to like history lessons and things too but yeah. but we I, but i will say nimi poo are the best not to get in through and through yeah no but you know in earlier like we mentioned you know um like positive role models and and uh you know working with the youth and i kind of did want to touch on like you know growing up like who were some of our childhood mentors that you know made a difference in our lives and like people who we looked up to and uh so yeah javi you want to go first (laughs) yeah yeah no i i always love to uh to share i i think to begin um amal let me work from childhood all the way to adulthood so um i know first and foremost i would like 
like to, you know, give props to my mom and dad for mm -hmm. being, um, you know, my biggest supporters. And especially because, um, Tori, I don't know if you know some of my background, but um, my parents were both born in Mexico, immigrated to the U.S. And so I'm, um, I am, would I be considered first generation American or second? I don't know how that works. But, um, yes, yeah, okay. I'm the only one confused like, about that. I don't know. List, whoever's listening and knows, text me when you listen to this and let me know. Yeah. But, um, I, um, you know, learned English as a second language. I, you know, had to go through my education. And I remember being in those, like, English language learner classes, like, really young. Um, but even though my mom and dad were limited in English and education, one of the biggest things they always, like, you know, instilled in me was, you know, go to school, do well, because it's going to mean more opportunities for us. Mm -hmm. And uh, my dad, this is what my dad would make me do, y'all. Um, and I thank him for it. But every night he would make me practice writing for an hour, even though he didn't know what I was writing or what I was doing. That's why I have really good handwriting. So if you've ever seen me write, yeah, I, you have, do. Yeah, I have really good really, handwriting. really legit handwriting. Um, and he also made me read for an hour every night mm. <laughs> uh, during school nights. So then I got, you know, into reading a lot and it was one of my favorite things to do um and that helped me with just even developing the language and vocabulary acquisition you know i was mm -hmm. i was one of those little nerdy smart kids because of my dad even though he didn't help me and one of the things i tell daniel is growing up i always compared myself to like my white friends and how um, a lot of times they had their like you know white parents who knew english fluently and maybe were educated and so for them they picked up a lot of vocabulary from just their parents so they had this advantage over me where like I had to work harder to be able to prove myself and feel like I was equally intelligent even though I had a whole other language on them you know like I had internalized this thing about like I need to do more to be up at their level but mm -hmm. when reality I was like I have like more on you than yeah. you you know that but I didn't really realize that growing up so I you know that was like my baseline for like just even wanting to do well and good um once I got into like middle school there was this um, teacher that was really nice. Her name was Mrs. Hogue, and she helped oversee one of the, like, you know, advanced student, like, cohort groups that they did in, like, elementary school, or, you know, in, in school, uh, middle school. And she, um, she instilled, like, writing in me. So, like, do better with your writing. And I was um, a pretty decent writer, um, and she told me about this summer writing camp. <laughs> I know that sounds so nerdy, but um, I couldn't afford that. And she paid for it out of her own pocket for me to attend this like summer um, writing camp. And I actually had a poem published through it. So, you know, I'm a published um, uh, artist, I guess. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wow. what's the word I can do? I obviously didn't learn English that well because <laughs> I can't get the word right. I was like, but, uh... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, and then, um, and also just being bilingual, I think sometimes word escaped me. Like, I know how to say something, but then I'm like, oh, how do you say that again? Um, so I, I do that pretty often. But once I got into college, I do have to give it up to um, a couple ladies that did awesome work for me and instilled, like, you know, like a confidence in me to just, like, feel empowered, but also, like, advocate on my own behalf. Um, and so Evelina, who I've given a shout out to, is the director of the College Assistant Migrant Program. And she was my retention specialist when I was there. 
And she was just someone I could talk to about anything. And whenever I was feeling doubt, she was like cheering me on to like do better or helping me access resources when I didn't want to do that by myself. You know, she kind of just, um, she kind of led me to the resource um, and would be like, but you know, know about it too so that you don't need me every time. And I really valued that in her. And obviously um, a big mentor would be Lethia Bateo, our favorite Lethia who we gave a shout out to. <laughs> um, and the same, like she helped me with, you know, student leadership and development, getting to go to conferences, um, you know, training me to kind of be a professional ready for someone who wanted to work in higher ed. And that was me. That was what I wanted to do. And so um, I think had it not been for those people just helping me and many other people along the way, um, doing nice things for me um, and giving me information and helping me build up the confidence and also helping me um, while I got to lean into my identity because that's important to me too. Um, you know, that was everything. And I, so I, there's a lot of people that I, you know, want to thank for that um, because I know they've been that for me in my life. And now in my current position and even outside of that, just me as a person, I want to be that person for somebody else. I mean, I know Daniel and I have talked a lot about like this um, obligation we have to our communities to help uplift them um, and give them access to the same information. Um, so creating opportunities and removing barriers is kind of like what I'm what I'm about. And so I don't know, I, I that's kind of what I align myself with. That's the people I want to be around. And that's how I want to be remembered. Um, and so anyways, those are my two cents on, on <laughs> mentorship and people that had, um, you know, uh, that an impact in my life. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, how you're trying to articulate. It's not just one person. And I think that's, like, what's unique about us is, like, every step of our life, there's somebody who's going to, like, impact us. You know, I was thinking of that question, like, who's my mentor? And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, there's not just one, you know? I think growing up, I could say it was my grandparents because, you know, like I said, my grandpa Lem, my grandpa Sam, my grandma Dolores, my grandma Sylvia, like, they just all have their unique perspective on you know something like they're good at like my grandma can weave and my grandpa knows the history my other grandpa can make fish nets you know so there's just like one unique thing that they can teach me and I can pass on but also I would say my brother Lydell we have like 11 year age gap and so he like really motivated me just to be better at myself but also you know I felt like I was like the step-in parent at times and yeah. just making sure like you know his well-being is good you know it's not about me it's about my brother but then also as I got into adulthood you know and trying to really like keep those cultural traditions alive was just with Cass Kip and Angela Picard like being involved in the playing your mocks committee has really helped me just stay close with family and learn about who I am you know because we're all interconnected and just their view on like sports and you know being active like that's a part of our culture too you know because we had games that we would do and they're a big stick game family I'm not really into gambling but you know <laughs> they, they have a good time and it's just all enveloped in their family and you know when I had to prepare for my grandpa's memorial I was at Cass's house like almost every week just trying to make wing dresses or bags you know just trying to get that skill of sewing and making sure I knew like how we 
acquired wing dresses you know she taught me that history but also learning about myself and just like community wise i would think of you know javi you mentioned like going to a camp well we have culture camps around here so like joyce and all the elders that she brings in you know that's like a designated time to like specifically learn language and those traditions and then going over to Wallawa and Joseph, you know, going to our original territory. So like just community wise and then my education and it's kind of like ironic. My mentor, Karenza Allison, she's an anthropology major obviously, but she grew up in Washington and you know she's Soyapo, she's white, but she has really encouraged me just to step up like my voice and how I educate, you know, speaking in the classroom with like my other classmates or you know just trying to push myself to be more assertive and you know really just tell me that I know what I'm talking about because sometimes you know when you're in a room full of people as we've talked about history you know it's just like am I good enough do I know enough you know like that imposter syndrome I think you guys mentioned that before and that really does mess with like the mental you know like yeah. okay do I have it all together you know so there are a lot of people who have helped me but those are I can think of the top you know who really made an impact yeah, I, I definitely echo that with family. I think, you know, my mentors growing up would always be like my dad, um, Uncle Bill, my Uncle Jim, um, a lot of my older cousins. Um, I feel like with my, my dad, he's always taught me to work hard for uh, whatever I wanted. He, I mean, yeah, he did, like, he does, you know, spoil and stuff like that, but he always made sure to tell, like, if you want something, you got to work for it. Like, that's, you know, my dad yeah. didn't grow up with a lot, so um, I, I think I get a lot of like my work mentality of like of me always needing a job or having to have a job or you know for my dad um i think obviously the women in my family <laughs> keep keep my family going <laughs> like they are like the they're like the glue the backbone everything um would definitely not be like where i'm at without like my mom and my aunt and stuff like that my grandma um for i mean also too i think even growing up like at the boys and girls club like some of the staff there like anna Hawkins, you know she was always a big influence in in our lives and um kara wilson she was like one of my favorite staff growing up and, and adam porter and james you know but then too all these people are like all like older relatives because our <laughs> town is so our town is so small but like um yeah i think you know as an adult a mentor I guess I would have would my language mentor definitely would be Tutlow you know Thomas Gregory he's always been very open in helping me learn the language and if I have any questions he's always you know really good to to answer and and also not just answer the question but like teach me like so this is where the word comes from or this is you know this whatever things like that and I mean not trying to speak for all all of us no but <laughs> but I think you know you know I think when I say like you know my culture it influences like everything that I do you know it's like I'm very proud of where I come from and, and I always try not to lose like that like native like uh essence of like who I am you know I think that's something that you know most people from you know very rich cultures can can relate with and I think it's cool to be able to like learn to balance both you know like a professional life and then like a like a cultural life yeah I do have a question for all of us so I, I mean you know I'd like to answer it too 
Um, <laughs> but what are some, what is some advice you would give to someone that's questioning like their identity in terms of like culture? Because um, for, as a Latino person who is Mexican American, um, I didn't grow up in Mexico, so sometimes, you know, it, it's hard for me to just say that I'm Mexican because I have this guilt in the back of my head that I'm like, well, you weren't born, you know, you weren't raised there, you don't, but my parents were, and I want to honor that, right? But at mm -hmm. the same time, I can't really say that I'm American because I, <laughs> you know, most people, when you say that, they think white, you're white, and I'm like, well, I'm not, um, but I was raised here, so that's what I know. So, um, you know, and I'm sure there's people out there that are maybe indigenous and are maybe, you know, not raised in, in the communities or maybe mm -hmm. they have been you know a few generations out of being close or having close ties to their um indigenous communities so there there might be some ideas there about like am i really you know of the cult can mm -hmm. i claim it things like that what would what advice would you give someone who's like trying to lean into to be more a part of it while being respectful but also like giving you know not permission but giving them the kind of like accept your lean into it i don't know how mm -hmm. i guess to phrase it better but do you, do you all know what i'm trying to ask i guess yeah yeah i would i guess say not limit yourself to just your community because when i moved away to arizona to start off my college career like it was a lot of Navajo, Apache, Mojave tribes and they were like asking me questions like oh so what do you do in this aspect or you know do you have clans and so that really opened up the conversation to like really compare you know our cultures but then it also made me question like well geez do I really know like I'm, I need to call up my grandpa or I need to call up my grandma you know make sure this is correct <laughs> and then just yeah, traveling because I felt like that was one thing out of high school like I got to do because of the Upward Bound program. You know, they took us to DC, New York, Portland, Seattle, just to experience, you know, something outside the community because as I mentioned before, like the culture shock, you know, you're only limited to what you know if you're just in Lapway or Caldwell, you know, if you get out and explore. And I think that's also like kind of the difficult part too with Native because we don't know how to process that really like it took me a long time to process like okay there's other things going on you know it's not just good old Lapway Idaho <laughs> but just the experience you know take advantage of every opportunity to travel especially like in the education area you know I feel like you can ask a lot of questions and just get to know people, being open to people as well, because we're all different, but we can always find that similarity. Right. And I think, you know, um, for me, I think that I would say to anyone who's out there questioning themselves is, um, you know, your experience is valid. Uh, definitely. I've had my own questions of my own self um, growing up. You know, I come from two different families that are uh, very opposite. My mom's side of the family is very into, you know, Christianity and religion. And then my dad's side of the family uh, really isn't, you know, they kind of practice more of like our, our, like our traditional ways. And so for me, coming from both things where it's like, oh my gosh, you know, um, I never knew. Like, I'm like, dang, I don't know where I fall in between this because sometimes, um, I mean, religion plays a huge part in, in some of the division on our reservation. And so mm -hmm. sometimes it, 
it's not always welcoming to go to one or the other if you're from one or the other. And, it, and it's sad because it shouldn't be that way because we all are inimipoo. But, um... But if anyone's out there that's questioning themselves, I would just, you know, let them know that, like, your experiences, it matters and it's valid. And uh, and just, uh, yeah, just get, I guess, get yourself involved more, like, elders <laughs> you can. Or, I don't know. Like, yeah. I feel like with, like, if you can sit with, if you have the, like, the benefit to sit with elders and just listen and ask questions, that's super important. Um, but, yeah, I guess that would be my advice out there. I don't know. Domo, don't take my advice, though. <laughs> I'm like, I don't no, no. Every time I give advice, I'm like, but but I don't know. That's what I would do. But I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the little disclaimer, like, but don't yeah. put it on me now. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm like, but well. That's your yeah. yeah. Um, I think I, as someone who has also felt kind of like, and you know an outsider a little bit confused um i would just say like that there's no right or wrong way to be you mm -hmm. know member of a community um and so don't try to put yourself in a box into like what uh you know your identity should or shouldn't be right. I, I think you need to give yourself the opportunity to learn as much as you can while being respectful um, and also culturally sensitive to you know things that that are culturally like important yeah. um, especially like milestones and ceremonies and traditions and things like that and you know you you I, I would even just say like if you want to claim it like just make sure you honor it and that right. you go about um, representing that identity well and so I don't know that's my two cents yeah. but yeah. I don't know now period period, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. period now I guess you know that that leads up to our shady questions our brown sound shady questions <laughs> are you ready Tori <laughs> oh my gosh I'm so I've been trying to mentally prepare <laughs> <laughs> Off record, I can totally do it, but we'll see. <laughs> I, Tori, I always sweat this out because Daniel comes with like the hard questions. I'm like, man, I got a job to keep. I got to make sure that. You know, like... <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, do you wanna you wanna ask the questions this time, Chigex? Um, yes. So, and then for everybody, like, listening, just a heads up, we do, um, come up with the questions beforehand, and th that's a collaboration of Daniel and I. Usually Daniel has his way, though, with some of the tricky ones. <laughs> um, but, so just FYI, but our Shades of Brown Shady Question segment goes as follows. So, Tori, I know you're a listener, but for everybody that's listening, if this is your first episode, we are going to ask three questions. Our, um, our three hosts today need to answer two of the three they can skip one but can also answer all three if they would like mm -hmm. so the first i'll ask i'll answer all three and then we'll <laughs> go from there anyone can okay. go first so first question is if you could afford a personal assistant name three tasks that you would have them do for you um mm. name get or explain to us the worst date you've ever been on and what happened Ooh. and then what is one mannerism that you judge someone immediately after you see them do it <laughs> <laughs> well so. i think we should let tori go first you know it's her <laughs> first round of brown sound questions and uh ladies ladies first you Yes, we are gentlemen here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I think I'm going to skip the first one because I can't limit it to a three. I just There's a lot I need help with as a mom. <laughs> but, okay, a worse date. Levon can't listen to this episode. Yeah. 
But this is around like, on the tractor. <laughs> <laughs> this is like long time ago, early college days. Uh, so there was an Apache that I went out with, and oh. I didn't know where we were going or what we were doing. I just know we were going to like a restaurant. So we get to the restaurant, and it's like a Greek restaurant, and oh. I. I'm not even like well versed in like any other food besides American and you know Mexican food and Indian tacos. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll try it. So we get our meal. I don't even like it. I don't like Greek food. I found out, and it was just cold in the restaurant. Like I don't know. It was just like a weird dynamic. Like I didn't like the food. It was cold. I hate being cold. And like the conversation wasn't even there to begin with either. Like it was just silent. So it was very awkward. So it did not last long, and I. Just that was that. So <laughs> oh I can say gosh. like I was friends with that person after, but nothing more than that. <laughs> <laughs> as far as mannerisms, like when I walk into the room, like I scan it, you know, looking around. But mm -hmm. if like there are people who will keep staring at me, I get annoyed because I'm oh, just yeah. like, come on now. Like, because like <laughs> the first thing is like, yes, I'm native. Yes, I'm here, you know, but I just don't like when people stare and it's hard with little kids because they just want to look at you and gawk at you. And it doesn't matter the age. I'm just like, don't look over here, please. Just mind your business. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's so, like, that's like very res of you. I feel like res people hate being stared at. Like, what are you looking at? Like, what you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. So maybe the, the shady question would be, uh, who are the people staring? <laughs> <laughs> it's all well you know you know i think we all know <laughs> we know it. Yeah. um i guess i'll go next so if i had to choose a personal assistant what are the three things i'd have them do um i would have them one do my laundry like <laughs> All of it, like you gotta, like you know, fold it, put it away. Cause I hate folding. I'm not, yeah. I'm not a laundry. I hate doing laundry. So I have your my chonies chickens. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, fold those up too. Um, I would have them do my laundry. Probably um, bathe Bigs. Oh, bathe you. <laughs> <laughs> no, Bigs, bathe Bigs. For the listeners, I don't know. Bigs is my little bulldog. Uh, oh, yeah. miss my back. Get yeah. <laughs> and then um i probably would have the ooh maybe pump my gas too because i hate doing that <laughs> i hate paying for gas too though <laughs> so <laughs> yeah i guess that would be my sound like i'm all like i'm just all into myself again once again <laughs> I'm all well, I mean. <laughs> and uh what's the worst date i've ever been on well players don't go on dates no i'm just kidding <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm playing. Um, I think the worst date I've ever been on. So I'm gonna tell on myself, actually. So, oh. so a oh. few summers ago, I would frequent the the dating apps where you would swipe or you know not <laughs> swipe. Um, and I remember I I was trying something new. I was like, you know what? Let me. I matched with this uh, non-native girl. You know. Um, 
Okay. Blonde, blonde hair, blue eyes. I was like, I've never, you know, I've never dipped never around watched. in that. <laughs> like, I've never, uh, I've never dipped around in the in the Sayapa pool. So I was like, let me try it. And that that date was super awkward because it was like quiet and we went to eat. And I was like, oh, you want? And like, there was things that like she didn't like eat like oh i don't eat this i don't eat that so i was like okay so i'm just like basically the only one eating and um after that i was like yeah unmatch <laughs> you know and then like i said it was like quiet awkward too i would say and and ever since then i'm just like yeah maybe i should just uh stick to the, <laughs> stick to the brown <laughs> no i was like i don't know I, i'm not good at this <laughs> uh, yeah that was probably one of uh the worst times and ever since then, and then i don't like do the tinder dates no more i was like you know that's weird so i was like no let me not yeah. do that um and then one thing that i what judge people off of when I walk into a room or uh, just mannerism you judge someone immediately after you see them do it like you they oh. do something you're like oh that's oh yeah. that's gross <laughs> um I would probably say oh probably double dipping like if they're like oh. at a restaurant and someone like double dips in like the salsa or whatever the dip is I'm like oh you're like well now I can't eat it because you're just double getting <laughs> oh, your germs okay. in there so you're saying like for a communal dip, not like for your own individual yeah. dip? Okay. <laughs> I didn't know there were communal dips. <laughs> Aren't all dips communal? <laughs> well, you know, I like my own, so like yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll double dip out of my own like dip. Yeah. But like if we're sharing one at the table, obviously oh, I'm not yeah. going to That's okay. <laughs> I just had to get some context. Uh, yeah. yeah, I guess if I'm using a communal dip... <laughs> Oh, that's funny. <laughs> okay. Go good ahead. Times, good times. Yeah. So if you could afford a personal assistant, what are three tasks I would have them do for me? So I would have them do coffee runs whenever I needed a coffee. Ooh. I would have them drive me around. Because, <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, if you have the money to afford a personal assistant, you probably have the money to, you know, your time is probably really valuable is what I'm getting mm. at. Yeah, and, sure. Uh, <laughs> and, um, um, I would have them like, you know, throw little like gather friend gatherings from your birth. You know, like if I had to mm -hmm. do things like that, I'd be like, get that together and invite everybody. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, that's I think that would be kind of cool to get some extra help in. Um, mm -hmm. And then worst day I've ever been on. So I won't say any names, but it was actually on me. So I was driving and um, my car didn't turn on. <laughs> <laughs> So it was Gloria, but you know, my car we've talked about. Oh, yeah. So she wouldn't turn on anymore. <laughs> we kind of just had to change the plans, but I was all embarrassed that I had a crappy car. Um, <laughs> that's when you say, Bro, boys don't deserve no. <laughs> I know that's right. <laughs> That's funny. Um, and then one mannerism, you judge someone immediately after. Okay, so this is a pet peeve for me. If I'm ever at a restaurant and somebody, like, snaps their fingers or something mm. to get a waiter to come, oh, <laughs> instantly judge. And also anyone who sends back a plate. Like, oh, I yeah. don't know why, but, like, for <laughs> me, if something's off on my plate, I might say something. Usually <laughs> I will not. But someone just being like, oh, I didn't like it and send it. Like, instead of, you know, like, it was cold. Like, can you heat right. it up? That's good for me I, i'll do that but if someone's like oh i tried it i didn't like it send it back so you can get something else i there's just something that yeah. does not sit well with me about that so i do judge with that 
There's a lot of other things I judge for, but uh, <laughs> no, I'm <Yeah>. kidding. <laughs> I'm saying I judge, and it's me doing it to my assistant. I'll take it yeah. back. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, oh, man. Um, no, so I don't know, but this has been fun. Thank you yeah. so much, Tori. Like, thank you for staying in there with us. Yeah, thanks yeah. for thanks for joining us today. Cutsy yeah, yeah, cutsy yeah, yeah. Yeah, Any last words? Oh, you guys just keep up the good work, the laughter, all the issues you guys bring up. It's important, and I commend you. You know, this environment right now is just so welcoming, and good luck on your future endeavors. Mm, Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you, Tori. Um, And I will say this, because Daniel did it. You have an open invitation to come back anytime you want. (laughs) We say that to all of our our, our (laughs) hosts. Um, but that's because I think that just speaks to the you know type of people that we'd like to highlight and bring on. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tori, I've heard nothing but outstanding things about you and how you connect with the community, especially empower the youth. So I want to commend you um, and thank you for doing that. Even though I'm not a part of your community, it's people like you and you know what we're trying to do with this podcast that give others like that hope and opportunity to reach for something bigger and better. And you know it's it's good for us. It's so good. To to align ourselves with someone like you so thank you so much for that appreciate that um all right i guess that uh you know good words again spoken and um i guess that leads you know we're always here to uplift yeah we throw our little jokes and stuff like that but we're at the end of the day just trying to uplift our communities and we can't do that without supporting our latinx and indigenous owned businesses so that being said um who are you going to highlight today yeah so I would like to highlight a newly established Latinx business. Um, It is called Refresh Office Assembly, or ROA. And uh, Refresh Office Assembly is a company that helps, um, you know, businesses set up um, all their um, new furniture and, you know, equipment and get it installed um, and set up in a way that is functional for businesses. Um, And this business is actually owned by one of our good friends. Um, He's also one of my fraternity brothers. His name is Jesus Savala. And, um, you know, um, fun fact, he uses Cheekex regularly. Cheekex, because you know how we, <laughs> how we did that. <laughs> he started to pick that up. So he'll call me Cheekex sometimes. And I'm like, oh, Daniel calls me Cheekex <laughs> usually. So it throws me off. Um, it's funny. But actually, the more that we use Cheekex, I found like some people are actually using it around me more. So <laughs> anyways, but um, Jesus is super, um, you know, super attentive to detail, uh, very friendly, very knowledgeable. Um, and really just wants to help um, connect with people um, and help them through those endeavors. But if you are someone who's in need of getting your office put together, if you need help with, you know, moving or, you know, changing, rearranging, anything that has to do with um, assembly or functionality in offices, please consider giving them a call. And you can reach uh, Refresh Office Assembly through their Instagram. So Refresh Office Assembly. Or you can call 208-650-6934. Or you can just visit Refresh Office Assembly dot com so this spotlight is for them and jesus keep up the good work shout out to cheek x yes um (laughs) 
my business shout out goes to Tatsunam Silu Photography. Uh, Tatsunam Silu translates to good eyes in Nimipu Timt in the Nespers language. Uh, the photographer that, you know, runs this business is Tyler Williams, who is of the Nimipu, Umatilla, and Macaw tribes. Um, you can find him on Instagram at Tatsunam dot silu dot photography and again we'll post on our instagram so for those that probably don't know how to spell it <laughs> I'm like, I'm uh, that for me, <laughs> yeah so we'll get that we'll get that so again that's totsnim dot silu dot photography or on his website at www photography. Again, we'll share this on Instagram. Um, and he's actually a cousin of mine on my uh, mom's dad's side. So shout out to Tyler Williams with Silu Photography. Yes, and I would like to highlight another mom and she's got her education, her small business. It's Lulu Henry. Mm. She has her Nichiwana brand. So that's N-C-H-I-W-A-N-A. It's a native-owned small business aimed at expressing indigenous ideas, designs, combining traditional and contemporary elements from Nimipu and Warm Springs Paiute. So she is just amazing at all her beadwork and all the shirts she prints and, you know, just being that, bringing that contemporary stuff that we like nowadays. And she's on Instagram, Facebook, and her website is nichiwana.net. Awesome. Amazing. Right. Yeah, shout out to Lulu. All right. Well, I guess that uh, that wraps it up for our uh, Brown Sign episode 11. Yeah. Um, thanks again, Tori, for being here. Appreciate it. And um, always, always, always love catching up with you. So, yes, appreciate it again. Katsuyo. Yes. <laughs> absolutely. Um, nice to meet you. And definitely when I'm up in Lapway, we're going to have to go. Um, Daniel likes to take me to the winery. So, <laughs> let's grab everybody and have a good time yeah. over there um yes. i did want to wrap up the episode by telling you know again thanking our listeners for all the love and support that we've had we have about four more episodes left this season so be Ooh. on the lookout for for those we are going to be highlighting some additional guests before we wrap up the seasons um but thank you everybody thank you so much again we'll see you later adios uh-huh, yo, mm. Disclaimer, the thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the hosts and hosts only. Cut CIO for listening to the Brown Sound Podcast. We had a blast with y'all today. Make sure to tune in next time. To follow us more closely, check us out on Instagram at the Brown Sound Podcast. For partnership opportunities or to get a hold of us, email us at brownsoundpodcast208 at gmail.com.